bear's got a little pig and he's headed through the gate. Running through the holler just to listen to him tell. Shoot him in the bottom just to listen to him yell. Big around the middle and he's brought across the run. Running 90 miles an hour, hanging 30 feet of jump. He ain't never been caught, he ain't never been treated. Some folks say he looks a lot like me. Say he looks a lot like me. Oh hell yeah! Nice. All right, so we're back at you again. Uh, we got two special guests with us today. Very special guests with us today. So why don't you fellas go ahead and introduce yourselves here? Well, my name is uh, Colby Helms, uh, and this is uh, Ethan Mason. We're both uh, Franklin County uh, natives, I guess you could say. That's it. Ethan comes from somewhere down in Callaway, and uh, I take my stand somewhere up near Boone's Millway. Yep, yep, yep no yep. doubt. We're recording in a little bit different spot today, huh, Brian? Yeah, a little a bit. Scene, ain't it? We ain't back up in the Endicott Hills today. That's right, that's right. Well, that was a hell of an intro play, man, I gotta say. That was a hell of an intro. Thank you, sir, thank you, sir. That's no Old Slewfoot right there. Old Slewfoot. A yes, uh, song that's been played in Virginia for many, many years now. Mm-hmm. And, uh... A lot of people know it as Bear Tracks as well. It's another name for it. Good damn song. I believe it. Good one. I believe it. One of you fellas right here showed me that song years ago. It was one of you that did. <laughs> I'm pretty I sure wouldn't I be surprised. Yeah. yeah. Cause sure it used enough. to be one of my favorite top songs. Yeah. Really. Yeah. For sure. For sure. But uh, no, we're just gonna jump right into it, Colby. Now you said that you uh, you have your own band. Yes, sir. Uh, Come check us out uh, anywhere in the Roanoke area right now. We're trying to expand a little bit. Our band name is called Colby Helms and the Virginia Creepers. And uh, we were a, kind of a bluegrass band before me and my buddy Stuart Werner started it back in high school, and we were called the Werner Helms Edition. And, uh, you know, things have changed, and now we're trying to do a little bit different thing. I've been writing my own songs, and we changed it up a little bit, and... Uh, now we're uh, kind of expanding our our plethora of of places and, and and sounds, and so we changed the name to Colby Helms and the Virginia Creepers, mm-hmm. and uh, we've been playing a lot more original content, and the people have been digging it uh, so far. So I think that we're going to keep on heading in that direction. So a question I got for you is: anybody that's listening wants to go check you out. What social media platforms could they find you on? Um, you can find my original tunes on YouTube at Colby Helms, uh, Colby like the cheese, C-O-L-B-Y, and uh, H-E-L-M-S. And uh, if you want to see where we're playing locally and uh, around, hopefully we're going to be playing at some bigger festivals later on and and getting on to that. But uh, if you want to check out where we're playing, you definitely need to hit up our Facebook uh, page. It's called Colby Helms and the Virginia Creepers. Okay, so we can find the info there for the next place, yeah. Yes, sir. We will be attending. We will be attending. Yeah, man, we've been doing some uh, really cool stuff. Uh, my buddy Stuart Werner plays banjo. He uh, does a lot of creative stuff on the banjo. And uh, Adam Cecil, our fiddle player, he's uh, 
he's a really creative fiddler too. So uh, every time you come see a show, it's going to be a little bit different, a little bit, you know, a little bit different every time. Sweet. And that's what the that's what the crowd loves. Exactly, that's what it's all about. Now, now you said you went did play bluegrass. So now, would you prefer yourself as like old country, or what would you prefer yourself well, as now? Well, I don't even know what you call it. I guess you would just call it straight up country music because uh, I'm writing my own songs now and. Uh, uh, a lot of people are liking them. They're saying, you know, oh, hell yeah, that's old-timey, but at the same time, that's fucking progressive. That's going into the future. Right, yeah. right. And so that's kind of what we're doing. I just call myself a Appalachian, you know, musician mm-hmm. now. Good deal. Good deal. Yeah. So where where did you play at this weekend? Give us a rundown of, of your weekend. Oh, here. yeah. So this weekend we went up to Rockbridge County, and uh, we had a great big old shindig up there and uh, played a... Uh, for a big old pig roasting, and then I came back on down to Roanoke on Sunday uh, for a Memorial Day afternoon. Played at the Village Grill over there. We had a real big crowd. Uh, Stewart got on bass, and we played some real cool shit. And uh, then he got on banjo, and and we did some bluegrass stuff. And the crowd really digged it. We were having a, a damn good time. Yeah, it sounds like a damn good time. Damn good time. Last weekend we went out to Newport, Virginia, up there above Blacksburg and uh, played for the Newport Jubilee, and that's a little thing they do up there for the community up there, you know, have old time and country and, uh, like, outlaw country bands come out there and do stuff, and we went out there and had a good time with all them folks, too. Got pulled over on the way home. But I tell you what, man, they try to catch you slipping, but just a little taillight ain't never... You know, taillight being out never hurt nobody. Briar is in that same predicament as we speak. I imagine you got the light bulb <laughs> in the truck to change it. Exactly, folks. But, yeah. So, sure just how long have you been playing? Like, um, so I'll tell you the story behind it. So, uh, when I was twelve, well, I was when I was about eleven. My dad got cancer, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, well, I just want to, you know, I need something to do just to get my mind off of it. So I started playing the guitar. And uh, then when he passed away when I was 12, they had a bluegrass man come to his funeral. And uh, they played a couple of songs. And from then on, I was like, man, that's all I want to do is just play, is just play music. <laughs> and so I just fucking did it, man. I just, everybody, I just, my fucking video game consoles, they've all got about three inches of dust sitting on them because I ain't never touched them since I was fucking 12. <laughs> you know, I've been just no. playing the guitar, playing the banjo, playing the mandolin, just doing whatever I can to, to you know, be a musician, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so is that all the instruments you play there? What all can you play? Yeah, I play uh, guitar, uh, you know, acoustic and electric, whatever, and 12 string, throw them all at me. And uh, I play mandolin, too. I used to actually play... Uh, with a band down in the Red Valley. They used to have this uh, old-time dance every uh, Wednesday. And I'd go down there, and they didn't have no mandolin players, so I played mandolin in that band. And uh, then finally I decided I was going to learn how to play old-time banjo. Uh, my great-grandpa played old-time banjo, and I figured that was something I needed to pick up too. So I learned how to play that too. Uh, it It's kind of messed up right now. That's why I don't have it with me, my boss kind of was drunk and was manhandling it a little bit and kind of messed it up a little bit so it's kind of, I need to do some repairs on it but uh, you know I've been playing all those three instruments for several years now good deal mm-hmm. good deal did you did you pretty much teach yourself how to play all those instruments yeah or? yeah I t- uh, the I used to take lessons up in Roanoke uh, Kelly's music okay. and uh, when I first started playing just learn the very basics and uh, 
then I started, they started trying to do this thing called tabs, which is where they write down, you know, how you play on a piece of paper, and you got to read how, you know, read the piece of paper and all that. Well, I didn't want to do that shit. I just listen to the record and listen to how it sounds and then learn how to play it from the sound of it by ear. And that's how my grandma played the piano. And, you know, that's how I learned how to do it. That's how I know how to do it. So every time I go back to practice, he'd say, all right, well, did you learn your, you know, sheet right? And I'm like, I don't know. I just threw the sheet away and just started listening to the music, trying to learn how to play it from that. And then he was like, man, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think you should be taking lessons no more. I think you should be teaching yourself. <laughs> so I was gonna say, that's pretty unheard of. I've never yeah. heard anybody saying, throw that sheet away, just let me hear the damn song and play mm-hmm. it back. Because, man, I can, I can tell you, I, I, mean, I could play something, you hear it here, they might not would like it, but to be able to listen to a song and then play it back and teach yourself, that's pretty fucking incredible right it there. It really is. It's something that uh, if you ain't got nothing else to do, you know, you'll get kind of obsessed with it. and. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of what I've been doing, you know, for years now. Yeah, it's just kind of second nature at this point, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And my grandma, she was born in West Virginia, and back then uh, her mom was a piano teacher. She didn't want to learn how to read music, so she learned how to do it by ear. And She was playing uh, on the radio back in the 1930s, just singing on the radio and playing for West Virginia. And, uh, you know, everybody was loving it, and uh, <laughs> she went to college. <laughs> She went to college in West Virginia, and they get to college, and they start handing her all this sheet music, and she said, well, I don't know how to read music. And they're like, well, damn. <laughs> so she had, to, she had to learn how to read music in college. She was a music teacher and a pianist in Roanoke from mm-hmm. the 1950s up until, uh, you know, when I was nine years old. So wow. early 2000s, she was a wow. piano master. And uh, I don't remember a lot of old people telling me, they said, when you hear Betty Jean play, uh, you don't think you're going to church. You think you're going to the honky tonk, because <laughs> you just add all that flavor in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I'd like to say that's where a lot of my music must come must come from. So you, know, you could say it may be just a little bit of a family thing. Like you're not the first artist to come out of the family. Then. Yeah, yeah, I'd say I'm not. Uh, you know, even though she never did anything on the big Broadway lights or nothing. She was still uh, uh, pretty much a keystone in the community as far as piano players. She was about the best mm-hmm. there ever was. Yeah. Be on you the know. radio, that's a pretty big feat. Yeah, yeah, especially in West Virginia, be on the radio and be playing and singing back then. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Now, now, as far as your band, what do you see your future to be like? Do you want to be like in Broadway or do you want to be like that little, like your grandma, like a little hometown? Oh, uh, well, I tell you what, I have a lot of big plans coming. Mm-hmm. Um, what what is missing right now in country music is just uh, originality and uh, soul. And I have to agree. My band is gonna, you know, we have a lot of our original shit, and it's way different than anybody else's stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, my plan is to get out of here as soon as possible and and go traveling. Travel and, and, and do the and damn do shit thing. Do the because, damn thing. Uh, let me tell you one thing. You know, around you know, in the, you know, around here they they try to make music you know lesser than it needs to be. You know, it's just another thing. But like in bigger cities, they don't look at it quite like that. You get a lot more attention. You get a lot more money, and uh, you get a lot more fans. It don't matter what you play. You know, if you mm-hmm. see all kinds of people on TikTok or something, you see all kinds of freaks playing music, and yeah. you know they got billions and bajillions of views. Yeah. And that's what it's all about, is finding the right place to play and find the right crowd. That's it. That's mm-hmm. it. 
And uh, that's something I've been trying to tell a lot of my bluegrass buddies, you know. They're all playing for a dying crowd. Uh, a lot of these bluegrass festivals, only, you know, older older people are going to them. Anymore, I mean, man. yeah, because right. bluegrass is a dying, like, music. Yeah. Like, not a lot of people, like, a lot of people hear bluegrass and they don't like it. They, just they don't, don't like, like it, it. But, and a lot of it's, you know, it's super Christian music. It's super. It's, it's a very judgmental way of life. Mm-hmm. A lot of these people are, you know, it's a, it's a certain culture. And when you take bluegrass, you mix it with other, you know, other shit, and you mix it with outlaw country, you mix it with stuff like that, and you start playing it for a, a diverse crowd. Like, I've been playing a lot for, like, you know, the, like, the look community, the mm-hmm. fucking hippie community. Yeah. They love that shit, man. They want to hear more of it. Mm-hmm. And the younger crowd wants to hear more of it. You just got to add aspects into it that applies to, to them. To everybody. To play exactly. To the crowd. So, like... I one that I, the only one I really know of that does that is actually Billy Strings. I don't know if y'all heard of him. Of course, yeah. Billy Strings is the talk of the town. I mean, yeah. And everybody in the bluegrass community wants to hate on Billy Strings. Well, the only reason they want to hate on him is because he did things that they couldn't do. Yeah. yeah. And that is appeal to a younger audience. That's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And he's out there playing, you know, with the Grateful Dead type guys. He's out there playing with the funky dudes. He's out there playing with fucking Post Malone. Mm-hmm. And all these young people are like, well, hell yeah, you know, they're starting to understand that this type of music ain't just a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing I, I admire Billy Strings for is that. And a lot of people have been saying, oh, yeah, you're a lot like Billy Strings, blah, blah, blah. But the only difference between me and Billy Strings is, you know, he was born in Michigan. You know, he... He didn't grow up in the fucking... Well, he in didn't the, come like, from the mountain. He man. didn't come from the real shit, man. And, and that's what I try to... You know, all my fans that I've gotten so far, they've starting to understand, you know, you know, we're singing about the real shit that happened. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, as far as, like... I mean, I don't want you to tell anything on here, but you said you have some new songs, like... How, how they, far can you go with that? Yeah, how far can you go with that? Like, as songs about your life or songs about... Living around here? Or well, let me it? tell you, um, the story about my album, I was going to create this album, it's called Colby T. Helms' Tales of Misfortune, Volume 1, and this album is going to be about just, you know, anything and everything that's happened to me in my life so far, and mm. uh, we had a guy in Salem producing it, and uh, his studio was in his girlfriend's house, and unfortunately there was some uh, infidelity going on, and mm-hmm. he ended up... <laughs> dipping out of town <laughs> down <laughs> down to South Carolina right so uh, he took my amplifier I had a damn badass uh, old uh, amplifier $600 amplifier and he's mm-hmm. got it right now I, mm-hmm. I, I was trading him you know to help me produce my album well it's gone and you know I was like shit so now we're trying to do something different we're going to plan on going down to Bristol and uh, recording with my buddy down there uh, on the antique equipment, and it's still gonna be Colby T. Helms' Tales of Misfortune Volume One. Mm-hmm. And uh, but y'all be looking out for that. That's gonna be a, a you know, hopefully a really uh, gonna be a banger. It's, it's gonna, gonna be have a really <laughs> unique sound to it. Hell yeah. It does. Have you heard anything from it? No. No. Okay. So we're all sitting here. Well, wondering. I've heard songs from it, but not. I, I got you. Well, Ethan, he's probably got the most insight on it. Uh, I think we ought to highlight on this man right here, Ethan Mason. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit then. What do y'all want to hear? This man right here has been one of my best buds from years back, and uh, 
He's he's inspired a lot of the you know the material. Honestly, I, I like, kind of felt that might have been the case a little bit. He's got well, a lot of stories to tell himself. He, he does. They're all trouble though. <laughs> That's a problem. But they're all true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of inspiration, you got any artist offhand you could say that you know may have inspired you from a young age or even still to this day? Well. That's kind of hard to even say because I, you know, I'm a music nerd. That's what I do is I listen to music all the time and I'm always doing shit. <clears throat> I love the old bluegrass. Like, I love the Virginia boys, like Stanley Brothers, man. Mm-hmm. Ralph Stanley, Carter Stanley, they're from Virginia. One of the, you know, they're the most badass dudes ever. And, I mean, Carter Stanley died in 1966 from alcoholism. Their band wasn't as big as uh, Lester Flat and Earl Scruggs, man. They were making shit ton of money while the Stanley Brothers weren't making shit. After Carter died, you know, Ralph, he went and did his own thing, and eventually they became famous. But, like, you know, them Virginia boys, they never got to see the fucking the fame that the others did. I see. And uh, they're one of my biggest inspirations. But, you know, I'm also a country music dude, man. I love Hank Williams. I love Jimmy Rogers. I love fucking Webb Pierce. I love Lefty Frizzell and Willie Nelson and uh, Merle Haggard and... Guy Clark, Towns Van Zant, John Prine, all them boys. Uh, yes, sir. They're all the good stuff. Yeah, I don't listen to much, uh, much after me. Like when they started making music videos, that's a good. That's uh, about the time. That's, to a, that's about the time you start heading out. Yeah. It's like I think Waylon Jennings said one time. He said, uh, "Now it's a beauty contest." He said, uh, "Me and me and Willie are a whole lot of things, but we ain't pretty." <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth. I'm gonna uh, grab another beer real quick. Can I interest anybody else on a drink? Yes, sir. I'm all right. Ten four. Ten four. Let's do a little uh, little music while he's grabbing a beer, huh? It's called Laid Back Country Picker. It's a Waylon tune. He was hell-bound for his grave Read a sign on the ballroom door Saying the good Lord Jesus saves But I don't think Jesus knows him Cause he ain't the Jesus kind He's just a laid-back country picker He's got a laid-back country mind Uppers, downers, turn-arounders they picked him up and they laid him out Well his troubles keep on swimming But he's too damn mean to drown He's just looking for some answers I know he ain't never gonna find He's just a laid back country picker He's got a laid back country mind Shreesport Coliseum They all came out Cause he was dying They wanted to see him Well the church girls and the snuff queens They all 
don't treat him kind Cause he's a laid back country picker He's got a laid back country mind Uppers, downers, turn arounders They picked him up and they laid him out Well his troubles keep on swimming He's too damn mean to drown Well he's looking for some answers I know he ain't never gonna find He's just a laid back country picker Got a laid back country mind Talking gold. Good God. We're playing the real country music. Playing you know, the real, real country, country music. music. And bringing it back. And I feel like a lot of these younger generations stuff, and I mean, especially people our age today, they, you know, they crank on something like Florida Georgia Line or something like that. And they're like, man, we're country as hell. And it's, and we sit back and laugh. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> what in the fucking hell? <laughs> I mean, some of, the, some of the fondest memories just. You know, hearing Caleb McNeil just rolling down the street playing White Bull by Merle Haggard. I mean, come on now. And and now, you know, you have all these people that are out here, you know, with their squad of trucks out here playing, you know, some Jason Aldean thinking there's some real, real cool motherfuckers. That or they have the ones that are like the North Carolina squad where half of them are up and half of them are down. That looks so ugly. It ain't worth it. You can't even use it anymore. Yeah, exactly. I reckon the dogs can hop up in the back of the truck a little bit easier. Man, I hopped on a on Facebook the other day, and I'm a member of a, a, a dog hunting page, a dog box, you know, for sale page. And this little boy had a squatted Tahoe, and he had a, a hitch box, and it was uncovered. And he had his dogs in it, and he was, like, looking for somebody to make me a new one. And everybody was like, man, what the hell are you doing putting your dogs under the back of that truck? I mean, sitting out of the hitch. Good day. You know, gravel, anything, it's spinning behind them You ain't got to bring – you wouldn't even have to bring a headlamp, man. I mean, the headlights are already pointed up at the trees. You're exactly. just solid. You just pull solid. up that tree. Hunt cornfields, you'll be fine. I have a real good feeling any boy's driving a truck like that ain't got a coon dog in <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I don't anymore. All I've got is that little squirrel dog. I got one to lay around here, chew a bone. That's all that was good for. Shoot, yeah, boys. That's a dying breed in itself right there. That is. Yeah, it is. Yep. Sure enough, it is. No, but uh, you said that Ethan inspired – did he inspire any of your music that you're making on this new album? Let's see here. Let's – uh. Hmm. Not on this uh, new album. A lot of them songs are about shit that's happened to us, but I'll tell you one we can play right here. Okay. This is one that uh, Ethan inspired, I guess you could say. This is called The Dove Song. Okay, <laughs> let's the hear dove it. Song. This is a the damn dove good song. song. Did this come up while a dove hunting? Well, so what happened was, me and Ethan, I, I took Ethan dove hunting for his you know, first time. On yeah, time. he put me on, man. And he, he was like, man, we and you, you know, we're going to dove hunt like hell next year. And the next year, you know, we had this spot and I was driving out to the hot dog stand one day. And I looked over and there was about fucking 19 doves sitting on this one line. I said, you better call old timer that we went there last year and tell him we can get permission. So he did. And uh, it's about the opening day of dove season. No, oh. it was opening day. And he said, me and my buddy are going to go out there. He ain't got no spots. He said, but I can only bring one person. I said, well, that's all right. I got another place myself. So I went out to my other spot, and I sat out there, and I drank beer, and I sat out there, and I sweated my goddamn ass off. And then no doves flying, and he's, like, sending me videos, like, yeah, we just killed millions of doves. <laughs> 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 and I'm like, goddamn. 
<laughs> but uh, shout out to Hunter Martin. <laughs> this song right here is about uh, you know just living life, and it's got a few metaphors in it. Might not be just about does. Might be about a little lost love too. But uh, I think y'all boys might understand. It's called the Dove Zone. Virginia, there's a few good old boys that sit there drinking. Six pack and a 12 gauge, you'll see them sitting, waiting on doves to fly by. Well, it's hotter than hell, no place to sit down. Starts at noon, there ain't no doves around. Most boys go out and they act like clowns, but Lord. I was persistent My daddy would take me When I was a boy And I held my ears Cause I hated the noise Go get his doves Sometimes they weren't dead And I'd cry to myself When he'd wring their neck Well now I'm older My daddy is gone cornfield all by my home is old Remington I hold in my hand to prove to myself that I am a man well I've sat here for hours I've still seen no doves if I could just prove to that one gal I love but she don't give a damn Bullshit, world's greatest lies. My cousin once told me way out in the pasture, them migratory birds, they fly so much faster. Them old local doves just sit and get fatter, waiting on love to pass by. Some more ammunition. Hell yeah. 
fucking yeah. banger that, song. That, if y'all want to give that one another listen, y'all after this podcast, y'all can hop on YouTube and look up Colby's YouTube and find that one. I yes, can sir. promise y'all will. And in fact, I'm gonna go ahead and let you just look yourself up right here and uh, go ahead and give yourself a follow. That way, I've got you, and I don't make no mistake. Hell yeah. Yeah, man, I'm loving that. And I'm, by the way, uh, my dad in there texted me a few minutes ago and asked it. When you want to come back and play on a Thursday again, he wants you back. We definitely need to do a June one, man. That's right. It's you, summer's coming on, and uh, we definitely need to get back on on buddies. Good deal. For sure. Good yeah, deal. Man. We'll come up here and get drunk and listen to a tune, that's for sure. Have yeah. a good old time. For sure. Hell yeah. I got you subscribed on Colby Helms. Good deal, man. I'll pass that on to Briar, too, once we're done here. Yeah, yeah. man. Hear all the originals. Mm-hmm. I guess a lot of people are confused, you know, when it comes to writing music. When you sit down to write a new song off the top of your head, I feel like a lot of people think that you start it, you know, you, you start it from beginning to end. Do you play a little bit and make it up a little bit and take a break and come back, or is it start to finish? You know, how does <laughs> that's, that all, that's a hard answer, dude. All my songs are a little bit different, man. Uh, um, like the, the Dove song right there, you know, the beginning of that, I was sitting in that dove field right there just sweating my ass off, no doves, and I just started typing lyrics. And uh, I've been writing songs for long enough now. Like I, you know, I know how to make lyrics, and I know how to tell it like it is, buddy. And I sat up there and wrote all them lyrics to it, and then I came back home, and I got my guitar, and I tried to figure out a melody that would work good with them lyrics. And that's kind of how it's done. And then sometimes you have a different little thing, like uh, where you'll come up with a little melody line, and then you want to add lyrics to it. Like one of my songs is like. And then you want to start adding lyrics sometimes. Okay. So that's just kind of how it, how it goes. So what's making an you just your average song? Let's take a Dove song, for for example. Yeah. How long did it take you to start to finish that? And to where you were like, this is it, I've got this down, this is the song. Um, that song was, uh, I'd say, kind of an exception. I wrote that song, that whole song, right there in that field. Yeah, I was going to say, you actually showed me that end of season. Like, wow. I wrote that song in that field right there, that whole entire fucking song. And then, you know, you have other songs where I'm just pondering on it, pondering on it, trying to change it, get it better. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll be working on them for months, months and months. And I'll change them a little bit, and people, you know, my band will be like, what the hell, why'd you do this? So I'm like, oh, I got this change in here, I got this change in here. <laughs> so it's kind of a, it's kind of like people working with damn uh, paintings, man. They're always fucking wanting to. Making little changes. Yep. Yeah, changes. So would you say that, you know, even when you're not around, you know, if you're at home and you're playing and stuff like that, even when you're at work, are you, you know, you're not around an instrument, you're not necessarily, are you still in your head thinking about it, singing <laughs> to you, are you still, are you, is your mind always working like that? I'd say, yeah. yeah like, yeah. Uh, that's kind of a, like, when I'm out, see, in my day job, I do surveying, and uh, we do a lot of jobs in the woods, man, and the reason I, I used to work with my cousin Matt around here and doing, like, handyman work and shit, and one of the reasons I quit and I went to a surveying, man, is, uh, you know, that's where I'm at pieces in the woods, man. And a lot of our jobs were out in the middle of, I mean, in the fucking way back in the woods. And, you know, I'd rather be in the woods, you know, in my piece than be on my knees fucking laying tile or fucking painting. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can, I can, I can dig out. And sure. uh, so when I started getting out there, man, that's lyrics just come every day. I'm just sitting in the woods, just doing my job, and you know, lyrics are popping up in my head, and I'm just constantly thinking about that type of thing. So can you pick up, you know, lyrics and stuff like that off of a another song you hear, or maybe even something you see? How do you? Yeah, how do that's you? that's really a. It's it's these little sayings come in my head randomly, uh, and then you start building around them sayings. Uh, like for instance, uh, like the one song I got that I was just playing the. There's one uh, line that came to my head. It said, "Now the wolves are howling at my door. I'm wishing I could hold you just once more, once more." And then you start building off of something like that, man. You start thinking about the, you know, what should come before that, what should come after that. Mm-hmm. You'll have these little sayings that just pop up in your head just from anything. And you're like, man, I should write a song based on that. That happens all the time. Uh, and when you're a songwriter, that's all you do is you just fucking you're just obsessed with that. <laughs> so you definitely love you love this. And then you, this is something you really passionate about. Oh yeah, it's sure. uh, it's something I you know I've spent so many years on now that uh, if I just stopped, then I'd be fucking I might as well die. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know how to do it now to where you know I've been picking for so long I can go up there and you know and and pick with the flat pickers. I can play Salt Creek. You know I can go up there and. I can play the flat picket songs now to where I'm just like, man, I, I can't ever stop playing until yeah. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if you had to, out of all the songs you've wrote or maybe even covered or redone, what is your absolute favorite? When you sit down and you think about everything you've done, what is your top number one favorite thing personally? Favorite song ever? Yes, sir. If you if you got one, I'm sure it's probably hard and error, but maybe even top five, top three, just one of those tops that, you know, surely you hear one and you're like, fuck yeah, I did it right there. You might have to give me a second on this one. <laughs> um, shoot, what would you say? I mean, my favorite one is probably one of the first ones you ever showed me, and that was, I mean, it's a little bit sadder of a song. <laughs> What's the one? Daddy's Pocket Knife. Yeah. That one's you. You wrote that one a long time ago. I'd say that this is a song right here that he showed me this like junior year of high school. This is one of my first ones that uh, I had. You know, famous bluegrass guys be like, "Man, you need to be selling that to somebody." And you know, this is just a song I wrote about my dad. Um, he, you know, like I said, he passed away when I was twelve, and I found his pocket knife. You know, they carried in his overalls every day to work, and all every single goddamn blade was broke or or sharpened down to little you know, to nothing little to nothing man and uh that's how you know it was well used and a lot of people you know uh, especially in the older community they love to hear this one i had i've had people cry when i sing this like older people you know and uh i reckon it's definitely one of the top ones ever it's a dedication to my dad steve helms this is daddy's pocket knife
day I opened up an old dusty drawer And a little rusty piece of steel fell out on the floor As I went to pick it up, his memories came back strong It was daddy's pocket knife he carried for so long piece of steel air in my hand Knew it was carried by a hard working man Just an old piece of steel, rusty cattle bone It was daddy's pocket knife It's finally made it home years ago at the old hardware store Played with that old pocket knife till his fingers were cracked and sore Said come here son set up on my knee Let me tell you a little tale about the way things used to be And as I held that rusty piece of steel there in my hand By a hard working man Just an old piece of steel Worn out cattle bone It was daddy's pocket knife It's finally made it home Coming to my eye there for a minute. For a minute, <laughs> really yeah, did, that's, man. That's, that, that definitely that touches down to the soul. Seriously. Sentimental, for sure. For sure. That one's gonna be on the new album, uh, Colby T. Helms' Tales from This Fortune, Volume One. That's mm, a little sneak peek at it. Hey, yes, yes, sir, right sir, there. Yes, sir. So that was one of the first songs you wrote. Yes, sir. That was one of the you know ones back in the day that I wrote. You know, I was thinking, you know, I there, there's just a song just ready to be made here. Mm. You know, all my songs, uh, I stress this a lot, are based on, you know, true events. 
you know, are based off somebody or me or, you know, you know, they're all real. And that's what people need to understand, you know. People like Zach Bryan, man, they're making, you know, he's making real music. He's making shit that happened. But, you know, I have a lot of people, you know, out there that ain't making, they're just making music to make money. You yeah. know? They, ain't, they ain't making it off the real shit. And, uh, you know, one of the best things or the most fulfilling things for me is to play a song for somebody like that. And they'll be like, you know, man, that that hit home with me. You know, that's, that's you know, what it's all about. Do you feel like new age country artists maybe don't don't write songs like you do? I mean, do you feel like they're using they're, they're ghost not, writers? And, well, they're not even writing their songs. I mean, like, I think it's kind of interesting, uh, these writers now, I don't know how much they're paying to do this, but a lot of their songs are having credit added to their name, and they'll have another writer's name in there. But they're paying a certain amount of money just to have their name added to the credits of writing the song. And they're not even writing any of these songs. They're just, uh, they have writers that are professionally paid. These people live in Nashville. And they're awesome people and they're fucking geniuses. Because these people can write songs that they know that people are, will like. It's like literally being a, a fucking accountant, stock market dude that predicts what stocks will be like. These people write songs based on culture and they know exactly what to write that will be a hit but they'll still add the artist names like you know Luke Bryan and Morgan Wilder and a lot of these songs have their name attached to them but they didn't do shit they just paid they just paid to have their name added to that song right Um, which is bullshit man because there's a lot of people out here that are writing fucking real shit and you know they're trying to they're trying they're getting them people repressed man they don't want them people to be famous. Like the Lost Dog Street Band, Benjamin Todd. I don't know if y'all are familiar with them. I'm not. I am not. Y'all yeah. should really listen to those guys. Yes. Now, who, sure. Who'd you say it was? Benjamin Todd and the Lost Dog Street Man. Okay. They are one of the biggest artists out there that are fucking uh, independent. And they're completely showing everybody, like, fuck y'all. We can do shit completely on our own and make, mm-hmm. and make money. Mm-hmm. They yeah, got all sure. these badass songs, man. Really good shit. Y'all should look them up. If you made your way to Nashville and somebody come to you and said, son, I want you to sign to this record deal, how would you act to that? Do you want to stay independent your full career, or would you sign a record deal? It or? all depends on the contract. Okay. It's just like anything else. you got to look through the fine details and go through it. And that's how, you know, I've had people around here, I'll tell y'all boys right now, I've had people around here try to get me to fucking sign to their little shitty-ass fucking booking agencies that ain't mm. worth a damn. Because, you know, there ain't enough enough money around here anyway. to and they're have not going to take you nowhere. Exactly. They'll just be keep, stuck where you're They're going to keep you in the loop. That's yeah. what they want. That's what they want around here, man. They want to keep you in the loop, and they want to keep you held down to where you can only you can only make a certain amount of money. And then you go out to bigger places, man, and, you know, it's completely different. It's completely different. And uh, that's, that's one reason you find all these musicians that are so much more liberal. I, I, it sounds weird, but it makes sense because, like, in, you know, super conservative places, man, they don't want to pay musicians anything. They're nothing. That's true. But at the same time, a lot of these musicians ain't shit either. So it don't make, you know, it would make sense not to pay them nothing. Right. But when you go out to bigger places and you start finding unique artists that are just like, I mean, you'll find unique artists anywhere. These unique artists start getting paid a lot more just because people want to see something different, man. And they're willing to pay for it. And they're willing to fucking pay for it. Um, You know, when people come to the Harvester, man, they're paying a shit ton of money to see artists. And, uh, you know, they could go to Roanoke and pay the same amount to see them in a way bigger, you know, 
place. Right. And you got to think about, you know, how economics and marketing works because that has a lot to do with being a musician and trying to market your own stuff. For example, my manager player is going to be playing with another band soon that uh, is uh, playing a lot of bit, a lot bigger gigs than I am. But they only have 80 subscribers on YouTube. 80 subscribers. I have approximately 700 subscribers on YouTube, but I'm playing a lot of smaller shows. And the reason is, is they just know how to market their shit better, man, to the these venues, these bigger venues. And that's what it's all about. And that's what I'm trying to learn right now. It's not about the music. I can play the music. Right. Now, my biggest goal is figuring out how to market my shit, how to get everything set up professionally. And catch yeah. these people's attention. And well, catch I mean, these... Have you ever thought about maybe posting on like Spotify or something? Well, that's or what Apple I mean. Music? Me and Ethan have been talking I about. I, I don't texted know. him about this before I was even going to come with him. I texted him about this. I said, make sure you talk to Caleb and Briar about Spotify. Because okay. I don't know easy. how to do it, man. Oh, it's easy. So easy. So easy. And you and it can get you on. Like we have this thing where we set literally. It, we it's just our analytics of our views. Wow. And we've got like, people from Canada, Canada the UK, Hawaii. Oh God, yeah. We've got views from places out and never. Man, expected. never. <laughs> That's crazy. And, wild. and so. when we posted, we went through this one website where. It only don't just post. We post to like what five or six different five or six different podcast, podcast platforms, platforms at one time. Every yeah, time yeah. I add an episode to RSS, they they post it to every platform. That's great, so man. Just yeah. Out there, yeah. So that's, if you want to get set up on Spotify, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely help happen. you out for sure. Man, yeah. that's what I need. That's, that's what I need help for on. sure. So when it comes to these venues, are you contacting them to play, or are they contacting you, or both? <laughs> it's both, man. Okay. It's definitely both. I, me and my fiddle player Adam, man, we do most of the contacting, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I'm pretty shy when it comes to that shit, and you know he helps me out a lot. But a lot of these venues, especially in Roanoke area, man, I I can't stress enough how much positive feedback I've had in that area, man. Mm-hmm. And when you talk to people around here, man, they act like that it's a bad place to be. And it's only because they don't want you to go out there and make money and do anything. They don't want you to get out of the bubble, man. I mean, even like, I hate to say it, but if you're playing at a bar in Rocky Mount and then you go to a bar in Rona, you're going to have triple, if not four or five times as many people there. And I think it's so, what I've just been perplexed by is like how much like, the younger community in the in the, like the like the more hippie type community is love my shit, man. They just love it. They dig mm-hmm. it up. And then you come out here and you play for people and you I know, mean you know, you if you know, older people, man, they wanna hear a certain shit. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> I mean if if you love by hippie people, have you thought about like I mean they just had hippie fest but that was down in North Carolina and I think it had like over like 20,000 people, but yeah. a Floyd Fest is coming up, man. You should really try to get up in that. And and dude, I've and that's what I'm talking about is about marketing and having people to do their shit because like I've had uh, we just played at this festival a couple weeks ago. It was called Camp Reckoning. It was in fucking Craig County, mm-hmm. and uh, it's up there. And they have all these people coming from West Virginia, Eastern Virginia, fucking. Like like everywhere, man. And the top band there is called Dead Reckoning, and they're a Grateful Dead cover band. Mm-hmm. But we got to play earlier that day, man. We had everybody saying, "Man, why aren't you book, booked at Rooster Walk? Why aren't you booked at Floyd Fest, dude? These people would dig that shit." Like well, there, and, yeah. and and that's what we're like trying to work on right now is getting our shit legit, and so we can you know look professional when we go mm-hmm. to get booked at these places now i don't even do you i mean i guess you did I, do y'all, like you said your band name but like is that like 
You said it with Colby Helms. Helms. Yeah. And the Virginia Creepers. The Virginia Creepers. Yeah, dude. Floyd Fest would dig it. Like I know Billy Shane played up there last year and Yeah. Yeah, they loved it. They loved it up there, man. And uh Tyler Children he's played there too. Mm-hmm. And uh, they got a damn stage, the Fairham College stage. That's the one I wanna play on and and that's the one Tyler played on, you know. And mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's what they need, man, because, you know, I'm trying to represent, our, you know, our home, man. Yeah, uh, for sure. A lot of people just don't have, you know, around here they want to hear all this new country stuff, but they don't want to hear the, the real shit. But I'm trying to, you know, let people from out of town let, you know, let them know that, hell, Franklin County ain't completely fucking washed out yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, they're trying to get there, but, you know, it ain't as bad as Bedford or whatever. <laughs> oh, God. Or maybe, I mean, even, like, maybe try playing down at, like, the lake or something. I mean, Smith Mountain. Well, that's what the I'm cove. saying. They the got, Cove? That's what I'm saying. They got somebody that's... Setting all that up. Oh, yeah. So you got to... And so I'm independent. I'm independent, dependent. dude. Yeah. <laughs> and I... Well, that's why I've get, been getting all these gigs in Roanoke, man, because that's where they want to hear my shit, man. Yeah. And, you know. Well, but as far as, like, independent, I mean, wouldn't that means just you would have to talk to them. So that means you would have to go up there and ask them. And yeah, exactly. Do, like, your own, what do they call it, like an own people that set it up or whatever. Well, see, a lot of these people, they're supposed to have booking agents, man. Mm-hmm. So it would be like you're your own agent, kind of. Exactly, and that's what I do already. And, yeah. you know, people that know me, it's, uh, they're kind of getting the inside deal on it mm-hmm. because they already know me. And that's what I've been doing, you know. It's kind of hilarious because I think about my dad. Uh, when he was running his handyman business, he never had no damn business cards. Mm-hmm. It was all by word, word of, of mouth. mouth. Right, and so he had all these people calling him, always asking him to come do shit. And you know, it tickles me to death that I'm starting to become the musician version of that man. Like yeah. when these people are, because I have it all the time. Like the people we just played up in Newport, and the people we just played at Camp Reckoning, both of them contacted me and said, "We want your band there." Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of impression that we're trying to make. And we've been doing it. Uh, That's good. I think, like, at Buddy's Barbecue, they loved us there. Like, yeah, we, for sure. Buddy Barbecue loved you. Exactly, man. And, and when you you have all these other people in town that are, you know, they're, they're just trying to get as many gigs as they can. They don't care about, they don't care about the music. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's, you know, that don't fly cool with me. Like, I'm, I'm a pure musician. I want, I care about the music. I care about putting on a good show for people. Just last uh, night at Village Grill, this little three-year-old boy, man, was listening to us. Mm-hmm. And he loved it, man. We quit. He started crying. And I went over to him, and I talked to him, and I was like, man, like, come see us again, buddy. Like, man, that that's the kind of shit that makes your, you know, makes it worth living, man. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Makes and, you want to do it again. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we're all about. So I guess on a little bit of a, a different note, just for a second, yes. Ethan, what you been up to? I hadn't seen you Staying in a little while, trouble, buddy. Or at least trying to. Yeah, say, let's hear about the Ethan Mason uh, saga right here. Oh, God. Well, I've just tr- been trying to keep the groundhog population at bay here recently. Going good for you? Uh, well, sometimes. Getting in your garden or something? <laughs> Do what? To getting in your garden? No, they stay out from away from my house. I was going to ask if you were shooting down there in the bottom. 
Where? You done killed all of them out there below the oh, house. Oh, no, there ain't none at Steve's. <laughs> no, no, I meant right beside your house, right there at that Oh, ball. there ain't none there either. You done took care of all yeah, of them? Yeah, I, I have to migrate to kill anything. We got a real big and hangs out back here. I'm just waiting for him to come in a little bit closer. You ought to take and get you a... You still got that blowgun, Briar? I do not. Really? Mm-mm. Tyler stole that blowgun? No. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not even get started on that one. I gave it no, but I could definitely get rid of a groundhog for you. For sure. Have you ever ate one? I've eaten <laughs> a lot of groundhogs, actually. Yes. All right. I'll explain it to you like this. You like a roast beef? Yeah, oh, hell yeah. All right. Imagine if you spent, like, the most money on a roast beef and just, like, took and uh, bought, like, some grass-fed beef. That's what eating a groundhog is like. Really? Like, once you pull all the meat off a bone and everything, you cook them in a crock pot like you're cooking a beef roast. It's, like, the best grass-fed beef you ever eat. Because you think about it, all a groundhog eats is clover and alfalfa, for the most part. I mean, they're very clean eaters. Very clean eaters. Okay. And they taste exactly like beef if you cook them right. I would have to say the first time I ever ate goose... Was down at a pond with Ethan. I won't go into the story about how that all happened, but I ate the goose that evening. <laughs> <laughs> we tried oh, to cook him shit. eggs too. Yeah. <laughs> goose is not. I'm not a very big fan. You ever eat turtle before, Caleb? Oh God, oh, God yeah. Yes, I love yeah. turtle. You remember oh, that yeah. turtle we cooked at Steve at one time? No, I can't say I do. No, you weren't there, were you? May not have been. I was trying to remember. I was taking a bath down the river at Steve's, <laughs> and I caught that turtle. And I brought it back up to Steve's, and I cooked it in Steve's house. And I could have swore you ate it with us. Oh, no, I think I did. It some bitch wasn't, but what, did about yay big? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. was there. Oh, uh, and that's what I thought. Was that the day we found the maggots on the George Foreman? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God damn. Flip up the top on the George Foreman, the motherfucking maggots eating the fucking shit. Well, that place was about rough. Yeah. That place was rough. It needed to be yeah. burned. <laughs> yeah, we'd have been better off cooking that turtle outside. Been better off eating it raw. <laughs> <laughs> Good gracious. The ramen noodles in a five-gallon bucket. <laughs> yeah, we used to make. We used to take like ten packs of ramen noodles and take one of them milk buckets. We was under the influence. Water. Oh God, man, we'd make twenty pounds of noodles at a time. We'd be sitting there with a bucket in between us with forks. <laughs> oh God! Been in there squeezing titties, coming there with shitty hands, <laughs> get to eat. <laughs> oh, so, Kobe, have you ever played at Ippies? Yeah, I played there. I I tell you a story about that. Uh, my daddy was a good friends with uh, Tommy Thomas. I was gonna say mine is too. And. Uh, you know, he used to always give my dad hell. Oh, you gotta come out to Alaska with this. You gotta come out to Alaska with him. my dad. He used to always too poor to fucking afford to go out to fucking Alaska and just fucking bullshit around for fucking two weeks. Right. And uh, you know, after my dad passed away, I think Tommy felt you know kind of bad about it. He invited me out there to Alaska, man. That was one of the most life-changing experiences of my life. So you went? I went to fucking Alaska Fuck with Tommy yeah. Thomas. You know, I've talked to him about it. Uh, uh, he took me out there and we went salmon fishing on the Kenai fucking river, dude. No shit. It was one. Of the, it was great, man. I loved it. I and my buddy, uh, one of my best buddies, Finn Bowman. He just moved to Alaska. He's out there right now. Yep. Finn, Finn, really? on a boat. Yeah, he's, he's on a boat right he's now. He's fucking on a boat catching salmon and shit. And I'm like, hell yeah, buddy. Like you're doing the real shit, man. He's yeah. doing the real shit. 
So what's Alaska like? Because, man, that's one place I have Cold. always wanted to go. When I went there, it was about 65 to 70 degrees the whole time. It was beautiful. Nice. And, uh, you know, in the nighttime, it only go, the sun only goes down just barely above, like, below the horizon. And you just get this pretty sunset for, like, two hours. And then it just comes back up. <laughs> it never goes down all the way, you know. And we were in the southernmost part of Alaska where, you know, if you're up in the, like, people don't realize how big Alaska is, dude. If you're in the most northern part of Alaska, like, the sun would have been down, you know, completely below them, and they would have, you know, had nighttime. But we were in the most southern part. And, uh, you know, up there in the northern part of Alaska in the wintertime, it don't get daylight. It's it dark. Wow. All but, day long. Yep. And, but it, we were in the most <laughs> southern part, and uh, we got uh, light a lot, a lot of light. But we were there in the summertime. <laughs> and uh, But I loved it out there, man. Never have I experienced it to where you're on the coast of a fucking sea and the mountains are giant than the Rocky Mountains. It's just a giant range of mountains and then it's just sea right there beside it. Wow. And these boats are just coming into harbor right there. just Mountains bringing... and sea. I've seen mountains and sea before <laughs> in the same damn spot. That's the crazy <laughs> That's what blew my mind right there. they got sea otters swimming around on their backs, dude. And there's just giant mountains. Yeah, with... Finn was sending me some videos of some otters while he was up there. And, it, and they got giant mountains with snow on them still. And there's just otters swimming around. You're just in the sea right beside these giant mountains. Crazy shit. Is the sea rough up there? Like it is if you go out to the beach over here, you know, big waves it, and it gets to be that way sometimes. Yeah. I it, couldn't do it then. Did you ever see any moose or grizzly or anything of like that nature? Dude, it's funny because everybody's asking me if I saw any bears out there. I never saw one bear out there, but I saw a shit ton of moose. They're like really? the, they're like deer out here. Shit. You know, because you know, you know, it's just like deer, they're regulated on just killing them and shit and we saw, I mean, we almost hit a fucking moose, dude. A ma, like a, a mama moose with a fucking calf. Just in the road. And a calf is as big as a full-size white-tailed deer here. <laughs> and then you just see this big bull moose. He's laying in the median, dude, just chewing on some grass with his big-ass horns that are, or antlers that are spread wider than this table. I mean, that was crazy, wow. man. Crazy. Yeah. And they're just like buzzards here, you know. So what'd y'all do? Take off and fly out of here and yeah, we flew yeah. out of here and flew out to I don't know where we had to take a connecting flight. We got it down to Anchorage yeah, and we drove from there. Man, it was crazy. How long did you stay? Did you say two weeks? Two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks of uh, eating like the best seafood you could ever eat in your whole oh, fucking life. Imagine. We ate spotted shrimp, which I you can't find here. Never had. And they're these tiny little shrimp, dude. And they taste like, if you can, you know, imagine what crab legs taste like. Mm -hmm. These shrimp are the only shrimp I've ever tasted that taste like crab legs. That's amazing. And they're tiny, and they only, you know, they're in the cold water. You have to catch them up there in the cold water. I got you. And we ate them things, and we ate king crab legs. They were like uh, giant, like if you look at a summer sausage, that's how big them goddamn crab legs were. Just meat that thick, just that long, just breaking it off, just eat it, just dipping Mm -hmm. it in butter. Oh my gosh, I puked so much. <laughs> oh Lord. It's... So, where other places have you been cool as hell? Uh, well, I went out to England and Scotland one time. You're kidding. And uh, now that's where I want to go to play music, man. That's really? that's where I'm definitely want to go back to to play music. You think they'll dig what we listen to here in the South? Oh, well, see, that guy that we were telling you about earlier, like at Benjamin Todd Feller, yeah. like the type of music that we listen to. It's starting to 
not all the way lean towards like an Irish Scottish <laughs> style of voice, but like some of it is, and uh, he's got that style of music if you listen to it. Really? So they dig yeah. it. They dig that country yeah. music shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's like a folk kind of music. It's sad that it the farthest away you go from America, the more they fucking love the music, dude. Yeah. Really? In uh, Japan, that's one of the biggest bluegrass hubs in the world. Really? I did not know oh, that. I never because have expected in ja- that. Japan, man, it's not like China. Japan, you know, is one of the countries that we helped after World War II. They're a democratic country, and they're a lot like us, but they're, like, better than us, like, honestly, because they do, like, shit more technologically efficient than we do. They don't have all that, you know, factory bullshit. But, like, dude, they love bluegrass out there. Like, if you look at all of Ralph Stanley and all of them, they all have albums that say live in Japan because Jap- Japanese people love bluegrass. They can go out there, do a tour in Japan, make twice as much money as they could here. Really? Yeah. So you could, like, turn up at Kabuki on that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's the next place. <laughs> yeah. I'll go to that one for now, sure. Now, you said you are thinking about going to Ireland or Scotland. Would you ever consider maybe playing the bagpipes? <laughs> I don't know, man. Oh, things dude. are kind of hard. It's funny. I used to know a state trooper that played the bagpipe, but I I don't know if I can do all the bagpipe and shit, man. Do you know anybody that can play some harmonica? I can play harmonica. Can you really? Oh yeah. Ah, some good harmonica will that'll chill my bones, man. Well, Har- well, something about a harmonica. What do you say we get some harmonica going? You got one with you? Oh, yeah. Hell You're yeah. kidding. Oh, yeah. Let's <laughs> get it on. Let's get it on. Chances. Holy oh, shit. Coley, I think he's about to play some harmonica for He's us. definitely about to fuck it. I wondered what that was when I seen it. I looked at it. I was like, what in the hell is that? Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. We're setting up right here, folks. So with that set up, you can play guitar. the guitar and harmonica at the same time? Yeah. We'll get some harmonic going as soon as I can get tuned in here. tell you about this guitar uh this right here this needs to be talked about anyway this guitar right here is my pride and joy her name is goldie locks or goldie for short okay it's a 1957 gibson j50 and just so people understand what i'm looking at right now i'm looking at a guitar that has written across it this machine kills pop country (laughs) and i'm gonna have to fucking agree with that statement right there Hates on pop country because, hell, I like, I mean, making money is something you gotta do. Um, but, you know, this machine kills it. It's a damn uh, workhorse. The, so I'll tell you the story behind old Goldie. Um, when you're buying guitars, especially musicians in the bluegrass world and shit, they want to buy the old, mu- uh, the old uh, instruments because, you know, they get better with age. It's like wine. And uh, 50s and 40s and 30s and 20s guitars. They're like with old Martins and stuff. Old Martins. Yeah. But uh, when you're playing the bluegrass world, everybody plays Martins mostly. And you'll see all these people with old Martins. Well, I got an old Gibson. And it's kind of like, you know, showing up to church with a, you know, joint in your mouth or something. <laughs> you know, it's, 
you know, people Gib- give you a weird look. Gibsons are not, you know, very accepted in the bluegrass world, but this fucking Gibson right here, buddy, this thing's seen it. It's a 1957. It'll kill any Martin, you know, you set it up against. You damn right. But uh, old Goldie, I, they had her at that music store, and I said, they said, well, we got about five other people trying to buy this guitar, Colby. We wanted to give you first bids on it. We know how much you love old guitars. And I got this thing for a good price, and uh, I guess you could say it's accelerated in value since I bought it. It's crazy to think about it. I feel like I'm getting old. But, you know, I've, bought, I've had this guitar for six about six years, and uh, and uh, it's accelerated in value since then. This is one I wrote about just, you know, living life from, you know, just life being shitty. It's called Go Back to Bed. You say go back to bed? Go back to bed. Starts crumbling. 
Maybe you can live in your head like made me. I'm going back to bed. Better than standing here wishing I was dead. I'm going back to bed. Back to bed. That's one I submitted to the, you know, the Gems on VHS contest this year. It's kind of funny. Uh, last year, that's Gems on VHS. They're a really big channel on YouTube. Y'all check Y'all them should, out. Yeah, for sure. And uh, they got a lot of these songwriters from around the world, you know, and and around America. And uh, them boys, uh, they have a contest every year for people that are trying to get on them. And uh, you know, I submitted my my uh, song to that contest last year. It was called Smoking Flames, mm-hmm. and uh, that song got fourth in the oh, world. Yeah. No okay. shit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was a really big uh, eye-opener to me that I needed to keep on playing music instead of quitting. They hit you up recently, too. Yeah, and uh, so this year I tried to do this song right here that I just played for y'all boys called Go Back to Bed, and uh, I didn't even make it in the top ten this time, but... They made a playlist of all the people that should have made it in the top. And I was on that playlist. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty crazy, man. I was like, uh, but anyway, I'm, you know, that's helped me get a lot of fans. Thanks. Yeah, for sure. If you're looking for fans, I think you need to get more on social media. For sure. Like Spotify, stuff like that. Yeah, like uh, a lot of people tell me to get TikTok and shit. And I, hmm, I, ain't for got, sure, man. I ain't got a TikTok, man. I'm you not need sure. to. I know you. I know that. I'm old fashioned and I, uh, I need it. That I shit's it. more addicting than any drug I've ever seen. <laughs> it's more addicting than porn. I know, dude. It's more it's more addicting than any drug I've ever seen in my entire life. For sure. I mean, you just be you just be sitting there and you just be scrolling and you're like, it's like 15 minutes. You're like, oh, I'll do another. I've got. Five. Have I've you got ever Facebook. scrolled until you see that message and it's like, hey, you've been watching a while. Why don't you get a drink and a snack? Come on back. <laughs> Next thing you know, you've been in there three hours. You're like, damn. I get on Facebook for Marketplace and Snapchat, and that's it. And Snapchat's just as addicting. Well, I tell you what, it's like funny. It's like, damn, Facebook, man. I I get on Marketplace. I'm looking at vehicles, man. Yeah, that's the only thing. I'm like, damn, why am I looking at this shit? I don't need any of this shit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, we're on there for hours and hours, and Ethan's just like, yeah, check this one out. <laughs> I mean, for sure, though. We're the same goddamn way. He was doing that before y'all showed up. Hey, man, look at this right here. Exactly. <laughs> for sure. For sure, though, if like if you want help, I mean, all you got to do is start up with a Spotify. We'll help you out. If you just have the song, I mean, I'll, we can even awesome. post it and everything for you. Like, we'll try to, we'll help y'all out as much as we can. Yeah, that'd be great, man. I mean, all you need is the, what is it, MP3? It's a, it's download. Yeah, you got to down, you got to. If you have a song downloaded. What do you M- record on? Yeah. We have MP3 files that I already have three songs on. That's all, yeah. that's all you need. That's all you got to have, just And then MP3 you can set files. it up, and we can help you out wow. from there. You drag great. and drop, and yep. they yeah. listen to it. They yep. approve it. You just it need a computer. And, and I mean, anytime you y'all need help. a free account. We have the free account. We ain't even paid for anything, and we're posting. Wow. We ain't paid a dime. Huh. 100% That'd awesome. free. That'd be sick, man. Sure. I have my shit on Spotify. Yeah. That's yeah. what yeah. I mean. For sure. For sure. Cause then you can, I mean, you can post like you said on Instagram, Facebook, yeah. Snapchat. I mean, anything. Yeah. 
and everybody's like, oh, shit, you got a Spotify on? I'm yeah. like, Because yeah. a lot of people, Everything. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people, when I post, when cause I, I post all mine on Snapchat, the podcast. Yeah. And everybody's like, you got a song? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I ain't got a song. <laughs> song. Oh, me. But. No, this has been absolutely fantastic. Oh, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, boys. And like sure. I said, if anytime y'all need help, let us know. Yeah, man. Sure. For sure. Um, before we close up, anything else you want to talk about? I'd say we do a good outro song, though. There you go. There you go. And before that, I guess I will say shout out to all the veterans here in America. Yeah, today's Memorial Day, yeah. and this is a great day to do a damn podcast. Uh, yeah, exactly. Got a lot of, uh, you know, veterans in my family. My aunt actually texted me. She said, please play taps at 3 p.m. from, you know, your granddad. You know, I got a lot of family in the military, and I just want to say we appreciate all you our people out there. It's a shame that, you know, rich motherfuckers have sent y'all to war for so many years. <laughs> but uh, That's the truth. We fucking love y'all, and uh, we, we appreciate you. Let's close out with a little Hank Jr. number. How about that? I'm down with that. Last fall, he elected a man from the plains. There was a lot of talk about a great big change But the Atlanta Braves still lose too many games And thank God the New South is still the same The New South is still the same I'm so glad of it Rolls, I'll just have ham and grits. My girlfriend loves fishing on the river and loving by the river bank. And thank God the new south is still the same.